Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Here we go. Um, for the first time in a couple weeks with all that is going on in the NFL world right now, I don't have a guest this week. I am going to be doing full-on playoff breakdowns, my playoff predictions the rest of the way. Um, I'm going to be talking about the national championship game that is on as I record this. I try to wait as long as possible. Um, I did not really have a pick in this game or a dog in this race, but I talk about the championship game, what it could mean for some top prospects, and i um, talking about Jalen Waddell specifically is somebody of interest to me. And then my last thing is I talk about how to fix the Philadelphia Eagles along with my um, my coaching hire prediction for them and who they should hire and target. So those are three parts to this episode. First part, playoff breakdown slash predictions. Second part, a brief thing about the national championship game. And then third part will be a discussion about how to resurrect the Philadelphia Eagles franchise that just four, you know, four or five years ago was a Super Bowl championship winning team. But first, a word from our presenting sponsor. You know him. You love him. Anchor. Here we go. Super wild card weekend recap. So starting off, the Buffalo Bills with Bills Mafia in attendance hosted the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts were definitely the worst team of the two, but... Matt Eberflus had his guys ready to shut down this potent offense, an offense that dropped over 30 points in back-to-back weeks, even with a backup quarterback last week. This offense had been firing on all cylinders, and Matt Eberflus had a game plan ready with his distinct Tampa 2 run um, run defense, shut down the run entirely, but the passing attack, which has been the story all season for the Bills, was potent once again, and Josh Allen looked very good in playoff action. So the Bills ended up winning this game 27-24. It was their first win since 1995 in the playoffs. Masterful performance by the Bills team, and just a well- well-coached game, competent game. There were obviously flaws. There's a reason this game was so close, but I mean, they did not play their best football game and they still won. So that's a sign that they can play at this level and still defeat teams in the playoffs. Next week, they have the Ravens, a team that should be a win for them. Um, But you never know. I mean, the Ravens were able to shut down the Titans in a game that looked really well for Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. He laid out a great game plan and Calais Campbell shut down Henry, but we'll talk about that in a sec. But Two big observations for me from this game. First, the Bills need to get some semblance of a rushing attack to make it deep in the playoffs. Um, Because they have to get something going against the Ravens next weekend. And they also need to make sure that that defense can hold Lamar. They allowed the Colts to drop 24 on them. And it's hard for me to see a route where Lamar doesn't rush for a at least 100 yards in this game. So they definitely got to shut down the Ravens' offense and control the time of possession with the run, which is something that they didn't really do well in this game. That's my first notice or notice our observation about the Buffalo Bills. Now, my other observation was about the Colts. Phillip Rivers is not what he used to be. This is evident. I mean, last season he was throwing a medicine ball. This season, he was better. Um, He's still a good quarterback, but he couldn't even... He was five yards short on the Hail Mary. He should not have thrown that ball. He made throws in this game where it felt like he was trying to do it all himself, and that really wasn't necessary. Um, I would like to see him back for one more year just as a quarterback because I like him, but... I don't know if that will be with the Indianapolis Colts because they are so close to contention. 
that Phillip Rivers not being their quarterback and having a more talented quarterback or someone with more upside may just get them over the hump. So I look for the Colts to potentially sniff out the quarterback market this offseason and look for somebody who can really lead this team into the next decade. Maybe a maybe a Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson, if they're going to be crazy, but they have so much cap room. Maybe they take a flyer on Carson Wentz or they trade for Jalen Hurts if Carson Wentz is going to be the starter or uh, Taylor Heineke maybe, or they go after Sam Darnold in a trade or uh, there's a lot of routes they could go down here. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, there's routes they could go down here that are better than Phillip Rivers, I think. I'm um, not saying all of those quarterbacks are by any means, but I'm saying that they may have more upside um, at this point in time. I would say Rivers is still a very solid quarterback in this league, definitely top 15, but his age is 100% getting to him, and I think that he's the reason that they they wouldn't have made it that far anyways because he can't do it he can't do what other quarterbacks to this point can still do. And some of those quarterbacks that I listed are not better than him by any means. Darnold, Heineke, Trubisky are not better than him, but they have more upside, more mobility, more things to offer at this point in time than an aging Phillip Rivers, which is very sad to say. But nonetheless, Frank Reich had his guys ready. They played flawed, but they still made the playoffs a solid season for them with so much cap space. You have to wonder if maybe Ballard will finally capitalize on it this offseason. But the Bills advance, and they will take on the Ravens. Next, the Rams and the Seahawks. This was another game where coaching was a factor for me. Um, I talked a little bit about Eberflus's defense, kind of keeping the Bills contained, but this was a masterful performance, and the headline of the day for the coaching realm was Brandon Staley shutting down the Seahawks' defense. Russell Wilson looked lost, and that's very rare. Um, one thing is Wilson has not looked like himself since... Um, when he was in the playoff conversation, or the MVP conversation. Since then, he has not looked like himself. The Seahawks have not looked like themselves, so I wonder if maybe something happened there, but they've had a very bumpy finish to the season and um, very tough loss. Jamal Adams was awful in coverage throughout this game, but um, he his value is a pass rusher. He's not a cover a cover safety, and that was known when the Jets traded him, and it's even more evident now on the biggest stage. But um, the Rams, the Rams deserve to win this game. They came ready, they had a phenomenal game plan, and they deserve this win. 30-20, to 20, uh, the Rams advance to the next round to face the Green Bay Packers. going to be a very, very good game. I wonder what Brandon Staley will dial up, and I wonder what Sean McVay will dial up to uh, stifle Matt LaFleur and uh, his offense and his suddenly very well-rounded defense this year. A game that highlighted, I'd say, the week, or the capped the night off very well and highlighted the first part of Super Wild Card Weekend was the emergence of Taylor Heineke in the game against the uh, Buccaneers. The Washington football team, a team that not a lot of people thought deserved to make the playoffs, and somewhat rightfully so, at 7-9, and nine, there were much better teams. However, they gave the Buccaneers a run for their money. Um, this was not a defensive game as much as m- many would have expected with the football team having such a good defense and the Buccaneers, but Taylor Heineke came to play, um, played a gutsy performance put his just heart on his sleeve and just threw a phenomenal football for a bulk of this game kept them in this game if he didn't go down with an injury maybe the results different but Tom Brady and his guys were just that much better and they advanced to the next round 
but they had almost a scare here in Washington, and this was not a rollover win like some expected. So shout out to the football team. I mean, they were the comeback story all year. Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, and of course, Ron Rivera. So many great stories on that team, and uh, you have to root for them going in the future. New identity with the Ron Rivera-led team. New identity literally with a new name and hopefully a new logo this offseason. And then maybe a new identity at quarterback. I mean... I don't think you roll with Taylor Heineke off one game. I would expect them to look to the free agent or trade market as well to acquire somebody or to trade up in the draft. Um, definitely something the Colts could pursue as well, but definitely more likely with the football team because they are going to have a higher or a lower pick than the Colts because of their record. Um, but honestly, either team could make the move. I would just foresee the football team having more leeway because of... Um, how young their team is, whereas the Colts have a little more veteran presence and are more in a win-now situation with all the resources they have financially as well, whereas the football team could take the chance on a younger quarterback. So I felt like I needed to explain that a little bit. But uh, the next game here was the first game of the Sunday Super Wildcard Weekend um, Part 2. The Ravens absolutely stifled the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this was a game where the Titans just could not get going, specifically Derrick Henry, who they held under 50 rushing yards. Phenomenal performance by the Ravens' defense, well-coached, well-run, and just a great game for them. And then the Tennessee Titans' offense was stifled. I mean, Wink Martindale outsmarted Arthur Smith, and the Baltimore Ravens roll to the next round to take on the Buffalo Bills. going to be a phenomenal game. Next game, the Chicago Bears took on the New Orleans Saints. The story of this game was the Nickelodeon game, but the game itself was very good for the Saints. They controlled time of possession masterfully. Sean Payton just coached a well-run game. I mean, they did not play lights out, spectacular, eye-catching football, but they played good and stable enough to win, and that's all you need to do in the playoffs. They advanced to the next round. As for the Bears, what moves? what is the plan moving forward is obviously the question. Mitch Trubisky, the Nickelodeon MVP, which was the ultimate troll from Barstool Big Cat, Pat McAfee, and all the social media guys getting that trending and ultimately getting him the win despite a not-so-great performance and a nine-point scoring effort. So uh, very, very funny. Um, But in an all-actuality sense, looking at it, what is the future like for Mitch Trubisky, and where does he go from here? Where do the Bears go at quarterback? I think they'll definitely be in that same market as the football team and um, the Colts for a new quarterback, so interesting to see what they do. And last, the game everyone's talking about. The Browns are the Browns, but the Browns spanked the Steelers 48-37. to The Browns were masterful in this game without Kevin Stefanski. They still dominated the Steelers. Great game plan, great coached game, despite their head coach being in a basement with COVID-19. Everything that they had, they came out, played with their hearts on their sleeves, and they won this game. And fair play to them. They did a great job, and they have everyone talking and wondering if maybe they could make some noise against the Chiefs in the next round. And then as for the Steelers, I mean, this was a very, very sad game for them. I mean, this is a team that talked so, so much. Chase Claypool said they were going to spank them. Juju Smith called them the Browns in nameless gray faces. Well, those nameless gray faces dropped 48 on them. I think this was a lesson to the Steelers to not get ahead of themselves and stop talking. And, um... Sadly, this might be the end of the road for Big Ben, whether you like him or not, which I don't as a person and don't respect him for his past. But um, from an objective perspective, you need to acknowledge at least the fact that a 
quarterback who's been synonymous with good football in the past few years, just like Phillip Rivers, both of them could have played their last down Sunday. Whether or not that's true remains to be seen, but neither man looked like the best they could be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'm I'm not a big Ben fan, but he and Phillip Rivers are both very, very talented and legendary quarterbacks, and they could have played their last down Sunday. So much respect to them if this is how they go out, but uh, I think both of them have at least one more year in them. Likely one year. So moving forward, what do I expect? I expect the Buffalo Bills to beat the Baltimore Ravens. I expect the Los Angeles Rams to lose to the Green Bay Packers in a very, very tight game. I expect the Buccaneers to beat the Saints. And I expect the Chiefs to beat the Browns, which would set up, in my eyes, the Bills versus the Chiefs and the Packers versus the Bucks. In that case, you have Brady versus Rodgers with a ticket to the Super Bowl and Allen versus Mahomes. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to have to prove something on Sunday. I mean, the Browns are not going to be a rollover win, and I think that they're going to be tough to beat. They are playing great football right now, and if they can knock off the Chiefs, they have a claim that they could be the best team in the AFC right now, and the Browns in the Super Bowl would just be the epitome of 2020 just being a wacky, wacky year. But, um... I do think the Chiefs win this game because no matter how complacent they can get, they are still a talented team, and they are more than capable of winning back-to-back Super Bowls if they put it all together once again. Um, as for the Bills, I think that they will beat the Ravens just because they have more to offer in the passing attack than the Titans. This is going to be a game for a couple reasons that is important, though, for the Bills. From a coaching perspective, as I'm going to talk about a little bit in a sec about the candidacies when I talk about the Eagles, um, if Brian Dabble can outsmart Wink Martindale. Not only will that make him look better than Wink Martindale for potential jobs, but it'll also make him look better than Arthur Smith, who was not able to do very much against Wink Martindale's defense from a coaching perspective. Um, Once Derrick Henry was stopped, their offensive game plan looked lost. And if the Bills are more well-prepared, this is going to be a game where the Bills can win. Um, I think this is going to be an offensive shootout, a very good game, but I think that ultimately the Bills do win against the Ravens. So it would be Chiefs and Bills, and then on to the NFC side, I think the Rams game is going to be really good. I think Brandon Staley is going to provide Rodgers a lot of different looks he hasn't seen this year, but I think you have a lot more consistency with Aaron Rodgers than you do with Russell Wilson. Hell, he's likely the MVP this year. Um, And I think the Rams offense, they were able to catch lightning in a bottle bottle and put up 30 this week, but I don't foresee that happening again. I mean, they've not been the most consistent and dynamic offense all year. So I question what they can do offensively in this game against the Packers defense that's been very good. So ultimately, I do think the Packers win this game. And then as for the Buccaneers against the Saints, I think the Saints will control time of possession and do a good job in this game. However, I think the Buccaneers have a more well-rounded defense and offense, and especially with Devin White returning on the defensive side of the football, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are more well-suited to make a run at this thing and challenge the Packers in the conference championship game. After that, you have Brady Rodgers going to be likely a candidate for game of the year. They've played um, once this season already, and... I here's the problem. I I respect greatly both of these quarterbacks, but these are very different teams than they were in week 6 when the Buccaneers knocked them off 38 to 10. But I just can't see Rodgers losing this year to Brady. 
I just think that the defense hasn't been what it had been when they stifled them to 10 points, and I think the Packers' offense is hotter now than they've been at any point. Whether or not that's proven true against Brandon Staley defense that's going to provide a lot of different looks and Aaron Donald in his face and Jalen Ramsey, who's been able to shut down everyone this year, remains to be seen. But with that said, I think that... uh, I think that Todd Bowles isn't going to be able to dial up the same kind of looks that Staley is. So if they can get past the Rams, I think they can get past the Bucks, and I think they make it to the Super Bowl. As for the Chiefs and the Bills, this is going to be the game everyone's wanted to see. Can the Bills actually hang with the Chiefs has been the question. I think the Browns are going to be a tough test for the Chiefs, and if they can get past them, I think the Bills are going to be a tough test as well, but I think they can get past them. Now, this is something that people might disagree with, but the Chiefs don't have much of a running game either. However... If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can hit his stride and play good enough in this playoffs and Mahomes can outduel Allen, they can beat the Bills and just about any other team. Um, I think they win. I, I think the Bills have upset potential. Just about every game left has some semblance of upset potential. I mean, I'm picking the Buccaneers to upset, and I'm saying watch out for the Rams and the Browns, but I think that ultimately the Bills aren't as ready yet to make it to the Super Bowl and win that big game as the Chiefs are. So I think the Chiefs just a year ago did it once. I think they can do it again. I think they advanced the Super Bowl against the Packers. And then there we go. That is going to be a phenomenal matchup, and I think it's going to be an offensive shootout because neither team's defense fills me with great um, great hope, specifically the Chiefs' defense. So this is something that I kind of didn't acknowledge as much in the Bills game because I don't have as much faith in... Um, in the Bills defense as I do in the Packers defense that has just really taken a jump this year from what they were last year. And I think that here's the problem. At some point, the Packers defense will be able to stop the Chiefs. I don't know if I can say the same about the Chiefs stopping the Packers. So I think that the Packers win the Super Bowl. I really do. Um, I have a lot of confidence in them, and I think the Chiefs could get caught in a trap against the Browns or the Bills. If, However, if the Browns get shellacked by the Chiefs, and the Chiefs come out and are just what they were, that offensive and defensive, well-coached and well-rounded team that they were in the playoffs last year, they were at times this season, then I don't know how anybody is going to be able to beat them. But I think the Packers have the recipe to do it. Um, I think the Bills possibly do too, and maybe the Browns, but I think that the Packers are more ready to do it. So I ultimately, I'll probably be proven wrong because one of these many, many factors will likely not go the way I predicted, but um, I think the Packers win the Super Bowl this year. And I think they topple the Chiefs. So there you go. That is my long-winded playoff recap and my final playoff predictions. Now I sit back and watch and see whether or not I'm proven a fool or whether or not I'm proven... uh, a genius. But um, with that said, I am going to talk a little bit about the national championship game that is currently on. I mean, the Alabama team, um, the Alabama, um, oh my God, why can't I think of the Alabama um, football team? Crimson Tide. Oh my God. I was about to call them the Alabama Roll Tide. That was an absolute brain fart. Um, They are currently up 21 to 14. Trey Sermon's out. Prayers up for him. He's heading to the hospital, so definitely prayers up to him. But um, the story of this game to me is going to be obviously the winner, but um, I want to talk about Jalen Waddell because if I am a scout right now, I am drafting this kid with a first-rounder if you need a wide receiver. Jalen Waddell fractured his ankle in October. 
It is January 11th, and he stepped out on the field today in the national championship game. He was not ready to play by any means, and he still braved the pain to try to be out there to help his guys win a title, and that level of tenacity and strength is that same level we saw with Justin Fields just a couple weeks ago when he was able to fight back from that gruesome rib injury to lead his team to a monster win and a six-touchdown performance. That kind of toughness is something you can't teach, and it's something that no matter the player is going to be very, very hard to make them a bust in the NFL. So that's something I wanted to note. Um, This is a game to me that is important for the prospects like Justin Fields, who this is an SEC defense. I mean, if he can play well against them, I think that stakes his claim as the second best quarterback in this class. I ultimately, as I've said in the past, think Zach Wilson is the best one in this class. But I think that if he can put up a solid performance and close this game, I think we're talking about a very different Justin Fields conversation at the end of this night. Ultimately, I think the Crimson Tide win just because of the dynamic play of Devontae Smith and um, Najee Harris and even Mac Jones, who's been great this year. Their three-headed monster in Alabama, partnered with Jalen Waddle when healthy, is just unstoppable. And um, none of those guys will return next year. They've got a new crop ready to come in and dominate. Bill O'Brien, uh, Billy O'Stooge is going to be the offensive coordinator, and I have high hopes for him based on how good he had been at times in Houston. So, um, there's definitely high hopes for the Crimson Tide in the future. As for the Buckeyes, probably the same thing. I mean, they're going to have somebody come up and dominate as well. I don't know their rosters in and out to say exactly who, but I mean, this is a big game for obvious reasons. It's the national championship. I think the Crimson Tide do finish this off though and win, but my story of this game is going to be Jalen Waddle and the tenacity and toughness to go out there and play with a fractured ankle just a few weeks ago. How do I fix the Philadelphia Eagles? So this is my roadmap back for the Philadelphia Eagles from a front office and coaching perspective. I would fire Howie Roseman, but the fact that Jeffrey Lohrer is keeping him there this long means he's likely not going at any time soon. He's incompetent, he's an idiot, and um, he's just very, very bad at managing a football team. But at least they were smart enough to get Doug Peterson out because they knew that after the absolute mess and debacle from last Sunday, there was no going back. What do they do from here? I've kind of gone back and forth with this. I've retaped this a couple times because I'm trying to figure out the right way if I'm the Eagles to go about this. This is not my prediction. This is not what I think they end up doing. I think they end up going with an offensive-minded guy. But if I am in Howie Roseman's chair, I am doing everything in my power to make the Matt Eberflus, Todd Monken duo a thing. So this is, sounds outlandish. Todd Monken has done very good with Georgia as the offensive coordinator, but he had done very well with the Buccaneers and even a little well with the Browns last season, even though Freddie Kitchens was just a fool. Um, But Todd Monken could be a solid quarterback developer. And I think that there's a potential connection somewhere down the line that maybe gets him a job here. But I think that Matt Eberflus gets the head coaching gig here. Because Eberflus is well-respected, well-connected, and a no-nonsense guy. He's not going to get that leeway to do something stupid that maybe Doug Peterson would. I think Eberflus comes in with the perspective of making this organization in his mold and his identity, and he brings an offensive guy with him. Todd Monken's a suggestion because I've always liked him and respected his offensive mind, but there's a lot of guys they could go with here. 
And I think that, I mean, maybe they try to shoot for Mike Kafka. I don't think they end up getting him, though, as an offensive coordinator. The only way they get him, I think, is a head coach. But I think that they have to get somebody in here who can help Carson Wentz. Now, this sounds so outlandish because Jalen Hurts outplayed him. But Jalen Hurts could be traded. Jalen Hurts could find a new home. Jalen Hurts could bring value elsewhere. I don't know what you get with Carson Wentz. I really don't because of that massive contract. And I think Eberflus, because of how well-connected he is with Frank Reich, a guy who brought the very best out of Carson Wentz, could say, find me a coach who can harness everything you saw in him and get it back. And if Frank Reich says, this is the guy, I think Eberflus needs to hire him. Because I think Eberflus will do a good job with the head coaching gig, and specifically this one, because I think he would work okay with Howie Roseman and be okay with working with what he gets. But I think that the first step is just going forward with Carson Wentz, because that's going to be the route you have to take financially, at least for a couple years. Get something with Jalen Hurts. Get something out of Zach Ertz. Or Jalen, yes. And get something out of Zach Ertz. Their names sound very, very similar. Um, because you have Dallas Goddard waiting in the wings, and Ertz is deserves elsewhere because or deserves to go elsewhere while they try this Carson Wentz resurgent project. Um, try to get something out of Jason Kelsey. Try to get something out of Brandon Graham. Scrap some of those vets and build the identity. I think Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson are two key veterans in the trenches that you should keep and not completely scrap everything. But scrap some of the guys with high cap hits. And then build this team the Eberflus way. You have Fletcher Cox in the line, who's an athletic defensive tackle. You get a linebacker in there that's speedy and young that could come in in the draft. Maybe they trade up and go after Micah Parsons. There's resources to make this thing better. There really is. But they've got to make the right hire. I preferably would say Eberflus for two reasons. Because once I, as I said, the no discipline or the discipline, no nonsense thing, but also because I think he's going to be the last one available. Because I think the Jets go with somebody that's not Eberflus. I think the Colts or, or the Chargers go with somebody other than the Colts DC. I think that there's a lot of teams that have a select few candidates left, an idea in their heads on where they're going. Some with a full fledged plan, like Urban Meyer to the Jags. And I think that Eberflus ends up being the odd man out and the guy for this job. So that's where I think Eberflus comes in. I think Carson Wentz is salvageable, honestly, because I think he's having the down year reminiscent of a Rodgers year, obviously to a higher degree because he's lost his job. I don't know how the Eagles will end up going forward, but this is my path forward. Let me know what you think. And a reminder, you can listen to all our old episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, that being Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, and Google Play, all of those spots. Um, you can find us, Ambitious with Dylan Price, and then on Instagram, at Ambitious Podcast, and Twitter, Ambitious with DP. And um, back to your regularly, regularly scheduled programming next week. We will likely have an interview next week, along with um, more playoff breakdowns and um, kind of acknowledging where my predictions will likely go wrong and if there's any new coaching um, announcements. So that is the route we are trending with this podcast um, in the coming weeks is going to be just finishing out this NFL season and getting ready for the NFL draft once again. And obviously there's always going to be those fun, wild interviews in there in between because I, uh, I just enjoy talking to people who are, you know it, ambitious. So uh, have a great week, ambitious listeners, and uh, tune in next week for another episode.